Good morning. Oh, it's a good day. It is a good day to be here. Well, I hope that you were able to come to class this morning. And if you weren't, we still have two more weeks that we have classes that are going on just for you. So make sure you plan on coming back next week and the next week after that. Now, our series is called Reach. I'm sure you've been seeing that a lot. Um, Today, we begin to unpack this vision for our coming year, reaching up, reaching in, reaching out. We're going to be explaining those things over the coming weeks, but today we unpacked this idea of what it means to reach up. Phil did a great job with kind of preparing us for that conversation today. You know, if we hope to follow where God is leading us, If we hope to follow that, then we need to make sure that we are actually following God first and foremost. If we want to follow where God's leading, then we need to make sure we are following God. So what does it look like to be a people who are focused on following God, following our Father in heaven with everything we are? So the question I've been asking myself this week, and when you start asking questions of yourself, it's, it's difficult if you're really wanting to know the answer. And the question I've been asking myself this week is, am I really focused on my relationship with God? Am I really focused on that? Or am I kind of just taking it for granted? Yeah, I'm a preacher. Yeah, this is my job. I get to have some great conversations throughout the week. But is this really my focus? You know, what would it look like, just for a second, what would it look like if we were to continually reach up to our creator to make it an active part of our daily life not just something we did but but it was some something we were this is what jonah did today that's what he did up there you know he decided to follow to give god his life it's like that first time whenever a child realizes who who you are and he reaches for you you know that it's happened so much but that initial time you're like ah ah you reached to me you know imagine imagine what god thinks when we are actively just reaching for him that complete trust that moment of clarity that moment of recognition whenever you realize oh yeah yeah that is the source of life he is the one who is my father. He is the one I need more than anything else. And this is what we believe or still do even today. Hopefully, we acknowledge God as our father, our provider and protector, our, our dad, our Abba, and more importantly, the master of our life. Now, hopefully, this isn't something, uh, something an action that we do that we just relegate to Sunday morning. And my hope is that this is something we can be doing throughout the week, every day of the week. But I also know that sometimes we get wrapped up in ourselves. Sometimes we get kind of wrapped up in the worries and issues, and it is really hard to focus on anything else. Especially when people around us need help, and they're hurting, and they're in pain, and we care for them. And maybe it's just us. We are in pain, and we are hurting. And sometimes God, He kind of gets pushed to the side a little bit, and our our relationship with Him, uh, we'll get back to it, but for now I need to attend to the more important areas of my life. And I know we we don't obviously do that consciously all the time. But I believe that this is an area that we need to refocus our attention this year. 
Our elders believe this is something we need to focus on as a church family, is what it means to reach up, to to reach to God who is the source of our life, who is the one who is our energy. He is our, our purpose. He is our mission. And without Him, there is nothing we can do. That is good. But oh, with Him, there's nothing we can do. So what's the answer to reaching up? What does it mean to reach up? The answer's simple, but it's not so simple. Phil answered it. The kids answered it. It's prayer. It's prayer. It's surrounding ourselves with the things of God. It's taking a moment to dwell on those things, to dwell and rest in God, to rest in Him. It's not simply something that we do, but it's a way of life. This is what we are going to talk about today. So let's pray as we begin. Our Heavenly Father, we are asking that You would bless us today, that you would pour your spirit on us, that you would lift the veils from our eyes and unclog our ears so that we can see and hear, even if it is just for a moment today, help us to see and hear clearly, because I know you're calling us, you're talking to us, help us to stop pushing you away, help us to stop relegating you to an area of our life, and Lord, today, even if it's just for a moment, help you to be our life. Help us to see clearly and, Lord, convict us and help us to repent because the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ and we desperately want Him. We need You. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, please. We're going to be in there today. Now, in this Matthew 5 through 7, this is the Sermon on the Mount. It's the largest collection of of, uh, sayings that Jesus said. It's this big sermon, and he deals with some serious issues. He does not mince his words in this. Um, But in chapter 6, he talks specifically, one of the areas is about prayer. Now, this is what I find fascinating, is that whenever Jesus came to us, and, and he left his father behind, it was a whole new world there for us and for him he left his father behind to come to us he left his place beside him and during his life here on earth he reached up to his father continually and he chose to do that through prayer i mean think about it jesus did not have any special hotline that we have that we don't have He didn't have a special bat phone or a God phone that was red in the corner. He didn't have any unique way of connecting with God other than prayer. That's what we have. It's the same that we have even today. The same connection that Jesus had with God is the same connection that we can have with God. We need to to just let that sit for a second. Prayer was Jesus' lifeline to his Father in heaven. It was the way he connected to him daily, every day. However old he was, he connected with his Father through prayer. It's the way we get to connect with him, even still today. So to pray is to reach up. To pray is to connect this is, this is pivotal, I believe, for us to remember. So in Matthew chapter 6, he's, he's referring, in this, in this passage, he's referring to some people who think they have it down. People who are very good uh, at praying and saying the right words and doing the right things. And, and these are people who in that day and age, they knew how to play the game. Now people are treating prayer as something 
something else other than what it was supposed to be. But Jesus knew that prayer was, was a gift. Prayer is a gift from God. I mean, imagine if the most important person in the world right now came to you and said, hey, here's my card. This is my, this is my direct number. Oh, where are you going to put that? You program them in your phone or you just kind of hold it real tight? Jesus is showing us that this is a direct communication, direct link to God. It's a gift. And this is the way God has given us to connect to him at any time, at any place. But many in those people in Jesus' day had forgotten. So, so chapter 6, verse 5. And he's in the middle, kind of middle of this idea about righteousness. And then he talks about this. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites who like to pray in the synagogue, standing on street corners for everyone to hear, to be seen by others. He says, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now remember, there are some people in that day and age who were more concerned with being seen as somebody who prayed because it boosted their ego, it boosted their social status. It was their proof of piety, job security. And a lot of people were very good at it. But Jesus knew that prayer is a gift, and it's a gift of intimacy, connection with God. And these moments of togetherness, those quiet moments, you know, when you're, when you're talking with God, those are the moments whenever your relationship becomes intimate and personal and sacred. It's like those conversations you have with a really close friend, someone that you will not necessarily just talk about this subject with anybody. You choose that one person and you talk with them about it. And it's, it's, you have a moment there. That's how relationships are sealed and, and grow And it's just amazing. Can you believe God wants to get that personal with you? To hear you, to be with you, to be be known by you and to know you fully? He wants to surround you because you know why? He craves that relationship with you. He craves it. He desires it. Do we desire that kind of relationship with Him? So I wanted to share something with you. I've spoken on this before, and um, I just think it's, it's, it's something that is really meaningful to me. But So before we move on, I wanted to kind of give you a little bit of an idea of, of their practices and customs, maybe their rituals. So, so, so back in that day, um, the Jews wore two things consistently, and they would use, uh, wear these things to surround themselves with God. The first one was a tefillin. Okay? This is a, a box that you would put on your, on your forehead. Now, you see this a lot. If you know anybody in the Jewish community or if you've ever been to Israel, you see that, that these are, they're wearing these little things. And, and, and what they are is it's, it has a scroll inside of it with uh, some words of the Shema in it. Uh, some verses from the Torah are written in there. And um, this is to follow the verses in Deuteronomy that we always read. You know, remember, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them to your foreheads. In the days of Jesus, they would wear these tefillin. And we are almost 99.999% certain Jesus wore one of these two. So another thing that Jesus would be found wearing was something called a tallit. Now the closest thing we have to a tallit is the traditional prayer shawl, which is what I have right here. Now you are normally supposed to, if you're a Jewish, you recite a blessing as you open this. But this is a traditional prayer shawl. And you'll notice it has Hebrew writing. This is a blessing on 
the top here. But this is a little bit different than it used to be. Used to be there was there would be a hole cut in the center, and you would wear it more like a a, a shirt or I don't want to say poncho. It seems like it demeans it a little bit, right? Something you wear over you, and um, it, sometimes it was really long. Uh, sometimes it maybe had come to about here, but but around Jesus's day, these were probably more like full size robes. Um, and so these are called the, the, tallit, the tallit. Now, this is a hem of a tallit. This was usually on the bottom of the garment. So the hem was kind of like your symbol of status. Now, we drive cars that are fancy. We'll drive, uh, you know, some nice things. We live in nice houses. We wear nice clothing, designer clothing. They would, you know, or, ornament their, their hem because that was a symbol of, of just how significant you were in the kingdom of God. And so in Jesus' day, this would have been part of his clothing, something he wore all the time. I'm not exaggerating. He would have worn this all the time. Um, This was to follow the command in Numbers 15. I think I have it up here. The command is, The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garment with a blue cord on each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at, and so you will remember... All the commands of the Lord. Now, at some point, they ran out of blue dye because you have to get blue dye from this snail. It's really a hard process, very expensive. So at one point, they just made the blue and wove it into the actual garment itself. But it used to be on the tassels itself. So, okay, everyone had one of these. The hem became a symbol of status. And the status um, is, is right here, but the, the, the tallit has four corners. Uh, one right here, see that? And if you see that there's a little significant hem on each corner, um, each corner has these little cords, okay? These are eight strings known as tzitzit. Tzitzit is what it's called. Now, listen, follow me. They're double knotted five times between the first and second string, Okay. Uh, the string is wrapped five times and then you have a knot and then you have it wrapped seven times and then a double knot and then you have it wrapped eight times and then knotted then wrapped 11 times very detailed and intricate it's knotted again wrapped 13 times knotted again okay so five knots in here and this is wrapped several times the reasoning is symbolic so five knots stands for the book of the torah god's word seven represents the sabbath Eight represents the number of days before a boy is circumcised, before you dedicate him to God. It's our covenant with God. Eleven represents the stars in Joseph's dream, God's covenant with Abraham. And thirteen represents the attributes of God. They have a listing of attributes. We see the fruits of the Spirit in the New Testament. They had a list of attributes of God. Thirteen of them, and it signifies God's mercy on us. Now, these four corners were also known as wings psalm 94 17 hide me under your wings the wings are these seat seat right here now these were always present on jesus always and 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 what he would do see i'm not very good at this but what he would do is a lot of times he would wrap himself up literally surrounding himself with the things of god surrounding yourself with the stories the history the heritage of god in fact the hem 
And the tassels, the tzitzit, were so much a part of the one who wore them that they were considered literally an extension of that person. So if this person had power, the power was extended through these tassels, through the hem. It's an extension of the power God gave them. So to touch these tzitzit would be to touch the man himself. So remember the story of the woman who healed, was healed after the 13 years of bleeding. She just wanted to touch the hem of his garment. And as soon as she did, Jesus said, Whoa, power has gone out of me. The hem of his garment. Now, when they pray, they would oftentimes just hold this and hold these little tassels in their hands, sometimes reminding themselves of what they're surrounding themselves with. Sometimes they would put it over their head, and sometimes, even still today, you'll see them completely wrap themselves up as if it's their own room that they're wrapping themselves up in. Now, why am I telling you all this? Yeah, it's, it's, it's neat. It's filled with history, but there's some significance that I want us to take away today. Jesus expected that if we are following God, if we are following Jesus Christ, that we are going to be praying Notice he didn't say, if you pray, he said, when you pray. When you pray. Prayer is expected. And when Jesus prayed, he would wrap himself up in this talit. These tassels tell the story of God. And when they wrapped themselves up in this talit, they were literally and figurative, uh, figuratively wrapping themselves up in the word, in the very uh, stories and history and things of God. Now, the religious professionals of this day, they knew all of this. They wore tzitzit. In fact, they didn't really care about the significance as much as they more cared about how it looked. So remember in Matthew 23, uh, verse 5, whenever he says, you know, everything the religious professionals, that's mine, do is to be done for people to see. They would make these really wide. Oh, wow, he's got, he's very religious. Oh, wow, look, his tassels are really long and flowing. They wanted to be seen by others. And at the beginning of Matthew 6, he's saying, listen, listen, listen. Prayer is something much more than what you're making it. I'm not saying public prayer is wrong. No. But is that the only time we pray? Prayer is something much more. It's life. It's connection to God. Connection to God. It's what helped Jesus to grow and to learn and to minister. And it helped him to teach. And get this, it sustained him in the most difficult times of his life. Whenever he was literally having the life taken from him. Prayer sustained him even while he was on the cross. He's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, read it. You know, it ends really well. But Scripture and the things of God were so much a part of Jesus' life that even in the worst moment, he's praying Scripture. It humbles me. Because I believe that it can do the same for us. And he continues, he says, And when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We want to be a people who are reaching up. But you want to know the secret 
to reaching up, the secret to prayer? It's secret prayer. That's the secret. And Jesus often did this. He withdrew to lonely places. He prayed. Sometimes the disciples were like, where is he again? He's gone again. He's trying to connect with his father. I mean, can you just see the desperation in Jesus' eyes? I gotta have this. I've gotta have my relationship with God. I need it. Those moments, those, those, those moments of prayer, of quiet, and I love it. Thank you, Lassiter, for saying solitude. Awesome. Man, because that happens, you know? When we're in that solitude moment, when we are just, just me and God, just you and God, those are, oh, those are beautiful moments. Especially lived out over a life. Now, I'm not telling you to go and buy a tallit. You can, but they're kind of unwieldy for me. <laughs> I got this in Israel. I'm not telling you to go and buy one yourself. You can. It's, it's actually nice. But what I am saying is that we need to be praying. And just as Jesus surrounded himself with God and the things of God, I'm encouraging you to do the exact same thing. Fill your hands, fill your minds, fill your pockets with things that remind you what God is, who He is, what He's called us to, that He's called us to eternal life, that He's called us to life that, that is full life, that He's called us to purpose and passion. I mean, how much, think about this, this is for everybody, I just want everyone to think about this for a second. How much of your life in your life right now, how many things around you are reminding you of God? How do you surround your life with the things of God? And I will tell you that I'm not a very good one to, to do that. Sure, we have a TV in every room. We have lots of Bibles. And Shelly said, why don't we have any Bibles open at our house? Yeah. How often do we consciously surround ourselves with the things of God? Because we're surrounded by a lot of things. And we surround ourselves with a lot of things. Non-stop input each and every day. How much of that is intentional? And how much of that are we just taking in because we're not even thinking about it? There's a verse about that. Don't, don't fit into your world without really thinking about it. The world is competing for our attention each and every day, each and every second. Even right now, several of you have been on Facebook for about 15 minutes. That's okay. At least you're hearing me. Because I'm right there. You get into a hole. And then you wake up and you're like, wow, I've been watching videos on rabbits for like 25 minutes. Don't tell me you don't do that. <laughs> the world is competing for our attention. And if we continue to give our attention away without a thought, then, then what do we have left to give to God? Oh, this irritates me because I'm the worst. So I'm going to encourage you to pray. I'm going to encourage you to surround yourself with the things of God. And when you find yourself in the midst of conversation with God, rest there a while. Linger with Him. And is it enough to say a quick prayer as we move back into the cultural stream? Or, or should we just stay for a little while? And when we pray, when we decide finally to surround ourselves with God, I'm going to encourage you, as I just said, stay 
rest, dwell there with God. You know, whenever God rescued his people, he didn't say, okay, you're out, you're on your own, I'll be here when you need me. No, he said, you know what? I'm going to rest with you. I'm going to dwell with you. I'm going to tabernacle with you. So tabernacle means dwells. The, the word that John uses in the first of John is, is the, and he came to dwell with us. Is he came to tabernacle with us. He wants to travel and go and be there whenever we need him at any moment of any day. It's not always about sitting in silence with God. These kids, man, that's great. You can pray at school. You can pray at the beach. Thank the Lord. You can pray anywhere. And although I, I believe that I think we need more silence and solitude, I'm talking about taking a moment to be still in the presence of God, to hold on to His words, to take them with you, to surround our life with them, and then dwell with them and let them dwell with you. So I'm suggesting this week that you start with something simple. Take a scripture, something you've already memorized. How about this? For God so loved. Start there. Write it on your hand. It's okay. Take an ink pen. Write it on your hand. For God so loved. So that you will have it with you. If you, if you don't have a phone, put it on your phone. If you have uh, anything else, a computer, uh, put it on your dashboard. Do something, but have the, the things of God around you so that you're surrounding yourself with the things of God. And if you're young, pray. If you're older, pray. If you've decided to follow Jesus like Jonah, pray. If you've not fully embraced God yet, pray. He's waiting for you to contact Him. And I know that evil is doing everything it can to throw everything he can at us. And he's trying to get us to follow a different path and so many choices, so many choices for us. But when we pray, we keep that connection open. And we're, when we're connected and wrapped up in the things of God, I think we'll be able to see which road God wants for us to take because there's so much confusion in the world, so many different roads that lead to so many bad places, so much noise. But I believe that we can make a difference if we keep our connection open. I mean, imagine if we began our day surrounded by the things of God, if, if we ended our day surrounded by the things of God, if we were people who devoted ourselves to secret prayer. Oh, imagine that. Then when our Father who is unseen sees what is done, He is going to reward us. And I know that some people are not in prayer mood right now. You've been hurt, you're angry, you're disappointed. Some of you are even disillusioned. You may not even know why you're here this morning. I get it. There was a, there was a time in my life whenever I spent like practically a whole year and I only prayed in public because I was just mad. I, I know you're there, I'm sure you are, but I want to tell you, I'm going to encourage you, keep it open. Because he's waiting and he's ready to listen. Because prayer is our connection, it's our lifeline. So, one thing we're going to do this next year, I'm almost done, is we are going to help you. We can't, I can't make you pray. I can encourage you to, but, but I can't make you surround yourself with the things of God. But what I, what I can do is I can provide you some, some options. And so as a, uh, as a staff and as an eldership, we have decided to partner with a, 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 an organization called Right Now Media. Now, what this is, it's like Netflix for Christians. <clears throat> it's pretty cool. It's got lots of different things for kids, for adults. It has, um, has videos. It's got uh, sermons. It's got uh, conference 
conversation. You've got Bible devotional studies you can do with your family. You've got um, little video illustrations that you can watch. And it's all free to you. In fact, you should have already gotten an email. Um, everyone in this church, you will get an email at 11 a.m. this morning. And if you don't, it's because we don't have your email address. So you just call us and give it to us. But you can sign this up today. Sign up today and you can begin surrounding your home with the things of God. And I'm not saying you stop watching Netflix. I know I can't make anybody do that. I'm not even going to do that. But what I can do is say, hey, let, what if we balance it a little bit? And you know what? You can take it with you because it's an app. And lunch, surround yourself with the things of God. And it's just one way, and there are many. So I'm going to encourage you this week. Take up this challenge. Be people who reach up. Surround yourself with the things of God and take a moment in your week to just sit and rest and dwell in the presence of God and just watch what He does. Because He wants to connect with you so much. And we'll start right now. The next moment we're going to sing... Take this opportunity to pray. We have elders all around us. Take an opportunity. Go and pray for them. We can pray for you. Take this opportunity to begin reaching up as something we are and not just something we do. Amen? Let's stand and let's sing together. People who pray because there are people around you who need it. I need it and I know you do too. God is going to do some great things through this church. I'm excited to see this whole next year come. Uh, let's begin in prayer together. Amen. God bless.